Hello, friends. This is Superstitions, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Alastair Murden, here to tell you the beliefs that guard us from the unbelievable, like avoiding cracks lest we break our mother's backs, or knocking on wood to protect what's good. I do more, but I'm out of rhymes. Today's tale is tailor-made for those who enjoy body horror and existential dread. So, junior fashionistas, that's your warning. There are so many superstitions about clothing. No surprise, since we wear it every day. But the most sinister warnings aren't about what we've got on, but what we wish we had on. If you've ever misplaced a favorite coat at a party or a sock in the laundry room, be warned. A little lost clothing can have horrific consequences. You can find episodes of Superstitions and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Coming up, we meet a manic male model and his wise old tailor. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. I am not a fashionista, but I found myself in Milan recently, and a paparazzo friend insisted on taking me to the Janino Labels Fashion Week show. She thought I'd find this show particularly interesting for my purposes. She was right. The theme was fashion victims, and it was all about clothing superstitions. I sat next to someone who may have been Lady Gaga. A trippy beat played while a voice repeated, health to wear it, strength to tear it, and money to buy another. The Janino team had done their research. This was an old phrase, Irish I think, that you said when a child put on new clothes. You were also supposed to pinch them, which is likely why maybe Gaga kept pinching me to the beat. Ow. The show began. A stunning man with a limp strode out to wild applause. He took the sweater over his shoulder and put his head through it first, then his arms through the sleeves. Everyone gasped. Putting your head in before your sleeves was asking for a drowning. Hence the water that spilled on him a moment later. Another boy pulled on a shirt inside out and buttoned it unevenly. In a flash, he lay dead and pouting. The catwalk claimed a new victim after a model dropped a glove. When a boy in green appeared, euros rained on him like confetti. Green makes you rich, they say, and I was glad to see some good luck at this show. The gags were elaborate. One model dressed like a tailor sewed red thread into another model's cream-colored silk shirt. Dark thread on a light garment was a definite no-no, and soon the model's shirt was soaked with blood. I felt a tap on my shoulder. 
Behind me sat a wiry, distinguished old man. He introduced himself as Giuseppe and asked, Are you enjoying the show? I nodded politely. He leered at me and told me to wait. One of his boys was about to walk on and it would be unforgettable. I sat back and wondered what kind of model would get this odd old fellow so eerily excited. Not too long ago, and halfway across the world, Daniel Mare took in the chaos at his Los Angeles condo. His 200 white t-shirts were piled on the ground, his vintage denim was draped over all the white furniture, and he'd accidentally scuffed his 2018 Model of the Year award. The scene was a crime against fashion, but Daniel just sighed. He'd ripped his place apart and still couldn't find his turtleneck. The midnight blue one that brought out his eyes, spun with cashmere to shield him from LA's brutal 59-degree winters. Covered in the Janino G to make him look fabulous, it probably wouldn't fit, but he just wanted to sob into it. It was the first couture he'd been photographed in and the first he was allowed to keep. That turtleneck was the closest thing he'd had to a security blanket. And now it was gone, just like his career and his savings and Porsche and his abs, all because of the incident at Milan Fashion Week one year ago. For the record, Daniel did not push Pierre Grosgrain off the terrace at Palazzo Matteotti. But there was a leaked video of Daniel, nude in the hotel pool, spinning out on diet pills, ranting about how he would love to push Pierre Grosgrain off the terrace at Palazzo Matteotti. Four hours later, Pierre fell. Pierre was hurt, but he wasn't the one who suffered from his fall. Pierre returned to the runway with a dashing limp, while Daniel was blacklisted for his alleged connection to the incident. Now, the only time Daniel deployed his signature strut was to go to his fridge for a snack or the balcony for a cigarette. He scanned the room, eyeing old mail addressed to Nico Leone, the Alaskan stray who Daniel took in and introduced to every player. The moody lover he traveled the globe with, the snake who dumped him when Daniel's career tanked. Daniel froze. That's it. Nico had borrowed the sweater for an amateur shoot right before their final fight. Daniel whipped out his phone and dialed. It went to voicemail like it did every time he called. Ciao, you've reached Nico Leone. I'm too busy to talk, but not too busy to walk. Leave a message if you're Alexander Wang or Versace's ghost. Daniel couldn't stop himself. Listen, you unhinged jerk. I want my Janino sweater. I know you have it. Just like I know you leaked that video to frame me for the Pierre thing. And I'm going to tell that to the judge at my hearing next month in Milan unless you give it back. Daniel hung up, sighed, and saw the time. 11.21 a.m. He was late for Giuseppe. He smoothed his black tee and slicked back his hair. He couldn't look bad. He wanted to check his reflection, but he'd shattered every mirror he owned. When Daniel sauntered into Giuseppe's little Beverly Hills shop, the old tailor's first words were, Strip for me, as always. Ten years ago when they met, this introduction creeped Daniel out. 
In those H&M catalogue days, he had tons of skeevy people after him. But now Daniel trusted Giuseppe, who was every designer's secret weapon, a web of connections in a wiry Italian frame. Possibly a former model or mafia operative, enigmatic but harmless. Giuseppe saw the world's most beautiful men stripped to their Calvins, but he seemed more drawn to his shop's mannequins. To be fair, Daniel thought, those mannequins were unfairly toned. Giuseppe slapped Daniel's chest with an old measuring tape. Daniel shook himself from his reverie and told him he'd prefer to stay clothed. Giuseppe pulled a grey suit jacket from a mannequin and glowered. I cannot do my best if my eyes are afflicted by that hoodie strip or no free suit. Daniel grumbled. Maybe I don't need one. I'm going to Milan for a trial, not a show. I'll buy off the rack and look really poor and sympathetic. Giuseppe laughed. My angry angel in Milano, wearing off the rack to court gets you the rack. Caro mio, let the artist see his canvas. Daniel took a deep breath. He'd been nearly to completely nude in front of every celebrity and designer in the world, but Giuseppe's piercing green eyes were brighter than any flashbulb. He asked the man not to judge, then stripped. Giuseppe circled him. It reminded Daniel of when his dad took him to the county fair in Kentucky to buy a new pig. He couldn't help but look in the mirror and, oh, it was worse than he thought. He'd lost all his definition. Love handles threatened to spill over his Calvins. He didn't look like a hog. He looked like his father. Giuseppe shook his head. Who fell further? Pierre Grosgrain or you? Daniel bristled and told him that doctors said he was healthy. A normal BMI was only a crime in the fashion world. Giuseppe sighed. Pudge I can look past. But Daniel, dear, the scars. Yes, the scars. The reason Daniel had shattered his mirrors. Red lesions and dark scabs swirled around his neck and shoulders and across his chest and waist. Daniel unloaded. The doctor says it's dermatitis or anxiety, and they just keep coming back no matter what I use. It wasn't even this bad a few days ago, but... Giuseppe, I don't know what to do. I can't pull off ugly. Giuseppe cocked his head and looked in the mirror, then back at Daniel's chest. With grave concern, he asked, Have you read them? Daniel frowned, Read the scars? Giuseppe traced a finger across them. Daniel realized they all formed the same faint letter, G. In the same places where G's dotted Daniel's missing Janino sweater. When he told Giuseppe, the tailor made the sign of the cross. My boy, I feel you are the victim of witchcraft. Daniel snorted, but Giuseppe insisted. My ancestor, Domenico del Sarto, was the tailor for King James VI of Scotland. A witch 
named Agnes Sampson tried to seduce him in exchange for scraps of the king's robes. Thank God Domenico was unmoved by the fairer sex, for Signorina Agnes admitted at her trial that she planned to use the scraps to cast a spell and torture the king. Daniel rolled his eyes. Cool story, but very last millennium. Giuseppe snapped. This trend never died. Do you remember Todd Chase? Daniel nodded reverently. Chase the face was a legend in the 2000s. A hand model who clawed his way up to high fashion before vanishing off the face of the earth. Some said he drowned during a Caribbean cruise. Others said he went bold. Either way, a tragedy. Giuseppe sighed. Todd lost his Dom Ford aviators at a pool party at the Standard. Only for a few minutes, but when he found the glasses and put them on, fashion's greatest light was blinded. And my world went dark too. Daniel shuddered. Okay, but magic isn't real. Giuseppe gripped his shoulders. Hush, sweet boy. We both believe in the magic of couture. Clothes make the man, but if taken, they can unmake him too. You must get this sweater back. Daniel frowned. Nico has it, but he's ignoring me. He blocked me on socials and he looks like half the guys in this town, so I probably won't find him. Giuseppe whipped out his phone. He scrolled for just a moment, then held it up. Nico is brunching at Café à la Mode. The little serpenta seems to be celebrating his... Ah. Daniel scrambled over to gape at the Instagram post of Nico at a sun-dappled brunch table. Nico looks good. New lips? The caption read, Last carbs before walking for Janino in Milan Fashion Week. Hashtag model behavior. Worst of all, Daniel recognized the blue turtleneck he sported. His sweater. Daniel tossed the phone to Giuseppe. His jaw tightened. His cheekbones reasserted their dominance. A thick lock of hair fell across his brow. He looked menacing and beautiful. And he knew it, because he was looking in the mirror the whole time. It was Daniel's signature pout. And this look could absolutely kill. Daniel nodded at Giuseppe and stormed out. Actually, he strutted out and knocked the shop door shut with a savage swish of his hips. Then Daniel stumbled back into the shop to put his clothes on. After a manic drive to Venice Beach, Daniel barged into his favorite brunch spot, Café à la Mode. Well, ex-favorite, since he always came here with his ex, Nico. He strode past a startled hostess and onto the Parisian-themed patio. There were stairs from brunches all around, and not the adoring kind he used to get. He saw the midnight blue of a turtleneck collar grazed by a terrible bleach job. The colors clashed hideously. Daniel ran to a table of so-called models who were, at best, influencers. He dragged Nico from his seat. The other models gasped but Nico just smiled and air-kissed Daniel's cheek. Daniel barely reacted. He was too busy feeling Nico's sweater. Well, his sweater. Or 
Maybe not. Daniel knew fabrics like he knew the back of his hand, better even. His Janino was 100% cashmere. This sweater was a blend. Even more horrifying, the letters all over it weren't G's. They were pictures of Garfield. This was a horrible, off-brand parody peddled to scenesters with no clue about Janino's rich history. Unless Nico had transformed it? It was a crazy thought, but Daniel looked his ex in the eyes. Are you a fashion witch now? Nico and his friends laughed. Daniel went red. Ugh, never mind. Nico, I know you have the real sweater. It's been a rough time and I just want it back. Please? Nico's eyes widened. He looked like the little waif Daniel fell for as he confessed. Hey, I'm sorry. It just reminded me so much of you. And how you're a maniac who wanted to kill sweet Pierre. I had to get rid of it. Daniel gritted his teeth. If you sold it, I want every cent you made. Nico leaned in. What he said was far, far worse than Daniel had dared imagine. Oh, Danny, I didn't sell it. I donated it to a thrift store. Coming up, Daniel goes shopping in his own personal hell. Wayne Simmons spent 27 years undercover for the CIA. When he retired from spy work, he got a big break. Terrorism analyst on Fox News. Then he met Kent Clisby. So I'm a real CIA guy. This is total nonsense. I'm Alex French, and I'm here to figure out who's telling the truth. Was Wayne Simmons a spy, or was he nothing but a con man? Imposters is a Spotify original from Parcast and premieres Monday, May 3rd. Follow and listen exclusively on Spotify. Now, back to the story. Daniel donned his sunglasses for protection. He'd never been this far east on Melrose. The ex-model knew there were thrift stores here the way he knew there was famine in far-off countries. It wasn't something he ever expected to face. He had to, though. His tailor, Giuseppe, saw Daniel's scarred torso etched with the Janino logo from his missing sweater and knew it was witchcraft. If you stole someone's clothes, you could torture them a timeless trend in terror. Daniel's ex, cruel, beautiful Nico, apparently wasn't the witch in question. But Nico had done something arguably worse. He donated the sweater to this place, a dingy dump called Castoffs. <coughs> Spare some change. A drifter shuffled out of an alley, hazy in a cloud of cigarette smoke. Clad in a camo jacket and cracked old shades, Daniel cringed. Eek, I'm so broke. But I'll spare a compliment. Your cheekbones are to die for. Then he gathered his strength and walked into cast-offs. Daniel used to think hell was an outlet mall. But no, hell was a thrift store. He'd expected racks of vintage Laura Ashley, a dead spinster's prized Hermes scarf, lots of hat boxes. Instead, cast-offs was a smoky, gray lair with endless messy racks of fast fashion debris. 
These pieces weren't old. They were Old Navy. And the smell? Mildewy, like his childhood closet. The smell that wove itself into hand-me-down clothes that earned Daniel that clever title, The Boy Who Smells. He sighed. Given the selection, his sweater likely sold quick. Maybe an ignorant pleb was unwittingly torturing Daniel by tossing his dry-clean-only treasure into a washer, or maybe an employee knew about him supposedly trying to murder Pierre Grosgrain and used it to cast a revenge spell. An employee like... that one? Daniel didn't believe in witches, but the girl with the name tag looked like one. Her gothy tattoos, bony frame, and purple-red hair all had a supernatural vibe. Also, she had a broom. She was sweeping the floor with it. Excellent cover. Daniel scurried up and whispered, Miss, are you a fashion witch? The young woman sighed. (sighs) Alas, they cut the funding for that program at Hogwarts, so I dropped out. I am a Morgan, though. You a friend of Lurkey's outside? You kind of have the same vibe. Daniel scowled and took off his sunglasses. Look closer. She stared, then asked if he was an actor. He told her that was part of his plan, but no, just a model. Well, not just. Morgan nodded. Yeah, I work here, but I don't care about fashion. Daniel scanned her outfit. She wasn't lying. He asked if anyone had donated a Janino sweater. It was a matter of life and death. Morgan shrugged. Daniel fell deep into thought, a place he was not used to visiting. Clearly, Nico had lied. He'd sent Daniel here to throw him off his trail. He and his friends were probably all giggling and casting satanic spells on Daniel's sweater right now. Daniel was about to storm out when Morgan said, Hang on. I was stoned, so I don't remember a ton. But someone did come by weeks ago with some garish stuff. He was one demented little dude. Daniel grinned. Morgan, I like you. Can you track who you sold it to? Surely you must geotag the couture. Morgan shook her head. Daniel scoffed, but Morgan kept going. We don't need to, because we never sold it. Daniel blinked. Why? Is your clientele blind? Morgan glared. Some, but they all have taste. High fashion looks like Star Trek yoga wear. It never sells here. We keep it in the basement. Only one who's ever down there is Lurky, because that's where he sleeps. Morgan pointed to a peeling, banged-up door in a dark corner. Daniel descended the stairs, eyes half-closed, bracing for an even grimmer circle of polyester hell. But when he reached the bottom, he caught a glimpse of heaven. The basement was full of couture, hung with care and folded with love. Daniel ran to them with an incredulous smile, He couldn't stop himself from caressing each and every expensive piece as he hunted for his Janino sweater. A hoarse voice startled him. Is someone down here messing up all my work? The drifter that Morgan called Lurky descended the stairs. He still had his sunglasses on, and apparently 
He kept this place in immaculate order. Daniel was scared and intrigued. Is this really your work? It's better than any boutique staging I've ever seen. The drifter grinned. Thanks, buddy. Not too shabby for a blind guy, right? Daniel now saw how the man clung to the railing and how he wasn't quite facing Daniel when he spoke to him. Daniel wanted to ask more, but the man talked first. So, you a shoplifter? Couture kingster? Daniel rambled. I'm a model. Daniel Mare? I'm here to rescue the sweater my ex stole. He's also a model, probably a witch too. Anyway, have you seen a gold brocaded Janino sweater? Or felt one? The man smiled. Nah, raw deal though, I'm sorry. Daniel felt a twinge of embarrassment. It's not an emergency, missing it just hurts. Emotionally, I mean. He didn't want to get into his strange, scabby story with this poor fellow. The man walked to a cot and sank into it, weary from whatever his life was. His camo coat screamed veteran, even if it did look a lot like Rodolfi's 2003 Iraq War tribute line. Still, there was enough grime on it that it had to be the real deal. But then Lurky pulled it off to reveal Daniel's sweater or what remained of it. All the gold accents, the lovingly brocaded G's were burned away, across the chest, neck, and waist, exactly where Daniel's hideous scars were. Daniel stomped over and grabbed the man's shoulders. You're wearing it! What did you do to it? Are you a witch? Did Nico teach you a spell? The bewildered man pulled away. He picked at the sweater, embarrassed. Oh, man. Total accident. I was having a cig one night, and it was windy, and uh, I mean, I couldn't see, but I think some ash landed on the logo part. Thing lit up like a bonfire. But uh, I couldn't throw it away. It's comfy, and I don't want to ruin any of the other nice pieces down here. Daniel's heart filled with shame. This was his witch. A poor man who just wanted to stay warm and got a little too warm. Maybe Giuseppe was right and magic was real. Or maybe Daniel's attachment to that dumb sweater made it real. Daniel sighed. It's okay. I got this rash where the sweater was burned, so I... Look, I'm probably just allergic to this cheapo detergent I use now. We're good. You couldn't have known how flammable this fine fabric was. The drifter winced. Yeah, I I kinda did. Don't smoke in Kashmir was rule number one. That and don't get Donatella Versace mad if she's near anything heavy she can throw at you. Daniel whipped around. What did you say? He looked closer suddenly recognizing the defined chin under his stubble, the subtle pout to his lips, the marred Tom Ford logo on his aviators. Daniel remembered Giuseppe's tail and gasped. Wait, you're... you, you're Todd Chase? Chase the face? The drifter shrugged. 
Morgan up there calls me Lurky. I like that name better. Daniel asked why he was here and not dead like the rumors said. Todd smiled. I like it. Modeling was... Let me put it this way. I always loved the clothes. Never loved the people. Daniel nodded. I'm starting to get that. But Todd, FYI, you're a god in my sweater. With the burns, you make it look rugged. Wish you could see it. It's midnight blue with a shimmer that makes you feel like you shimmer too. Todd frowned. Oh, yikes. Sounds, uh, kind of tacky. <laughs> you can have it back. Daniel squeaked in indignation. Todd laughed and patted his shoulder. Daniel hesitated. This is dumb, but... Todd, did a fashion witch really curse your shades and blind you at a pool party? Todd sighed. <sighs> I don't remember much. I hadn't eaten in days, plus I was trashed. My one memory, the last thing I saw, was a guy handing me my glasses. I'd punched him after he got handsy in the hot tub, and I was like, not you again. Daniel asked who it was. Todd shivered. This creepy old tailor, Giuseppe. Dude had everyone by the threads back in the day. If you behaved, he made you a star, like magic. But if you pulled at those threads, snip, snip, man, snip, snip. Todd took off his glasses. His eyelids were sewn together with thick red thread, but the horrid sight couldn't dim the light of his gorgeous, vacant smile. Todd kept on smiling, even as Daniel fled the basement. Daniel used the spare key to creep into Giuseppe's dark shop. The old man usually worked late, and Daniel needed to know if what Todd said was true. He padded past all the mannequins and grinned. For a moment, it felt like they were watching him, and he was on the runway again. Then whispers made Daniel jump. He looked ahead at the red curtains that led to Giuseppe's office. Golden light shone through them, and shadows moved within. Daniel walked to the curtains, entranced. When he peered in, every muscle in his jawline had to work in concert to suppress his gasp. Nico stood at the mirror, bathed in candlelight, in Daniel's Red McQueen suit. The brat had stolen something else, too. Giuseppe shuffled up behind him, trusty measuring tape in his hands, eyes roving over Nico, who turned to Giuseppe. Daniel hated how his heart fluttered at Nico's vulnerable look. The boy asked, I know we just DM'd today, but I need this to fit perfectly for my first fashion week. Do you think you'll have to change much? I can try to slim down. Giuseppe tossed Nico's curls and pulled the tape across his chest. No, Nico. It is a very special thing to not need any alterations. Like Daniel in his day, you have the perfect body. A rare gift to waste. 
Then Giuseppe whipped the tape around Nico's neck and pulled. The tape bit into Nico's neck like a garrote. Nico choked. He kept his eyes on his own reflection. So did Giuseppe. Even Daniel was captivated by the image in the mirror. Nico suffered so beautifully. The young man squeaked. Why? Giuseppe leaned into his ear and whispered, Because magic is for the puppet master, not the boy in strings. Nico's eyes bulged in confusion. Giuseppe spat. You are Seal's catalogue trash, diavolo, just like Pierre. Only Giuseppe sifts through the dirt to pluck out the gems. And my Daniel will shine again. Nico's eyes slid closed. Daniel watched him drop to the floor, lithe body barely making a sound. The last thing Daniel saw before he ran out was Giuseppe rolling his sleeves down over surprisingly muscular forearms. Daniel raced back to his car. Hands shaking, he pulled out his phone and tapped the numbers to call the police. His fingers hovered over the call button. But then, instead of calling, he switched off the screen and pocketed the phone. He didn't want to get on Giuseppe's bad side. He didn't want to pull at any threads. Daniel still needed a suit for his trial, and he still wanted to shimmer. Besides, Nico always was a fashion victim anyway. I made my way out of the Janino show in Milan. I enjoyed most of it, but I found one particular act to be tasteless. It involved a sexy vagrant who panhandled until a model lent him the mesh tank top off his back. The vagrant set it on fire and the model died in a puff of blood and smoke. The crowd nodded sagely. Lesson learned. Don't give away your clothes, lest someone cast a spell on them to torture you. Look, I get it. When I lend my favorite hoodie to someone, I do worry they'll ruin it, that they'll mar my second skin, which feels so essentially me. Clothes are cheaper now, and I'm privileged enough that I could buy another. Back in the old days, though, I imagine handmade clothes were expensive and cherished, more so than today's clearance rack fashion. Also, a lot more people thought witches were plotting against them. But today, are we supposed to think donating clothes is asking for trouble? That charity is a sin, and that the needy plot against us? I looked at the crowd of cruel beauties and realized that's exactly what they thought. What a strange world. I'll say this though, Giuseppe was right about the unforgettable sight he promised. I'll never get the image of Daniel Mare out of my head. The newly acquitted model strode out in a gray suit jacket before ripping it off. The crowd went wild for across his toned chest was the Janino logo, etched into his flesh dozens of times. The man simply bled high fashion. 
Thanks again for listening to Superstitions. You can find more episodes of Superstitions and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Until next time, be wary of the things you cannot explain. Superstitions is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Erin Larson. This episode of Superstitions was written by Amin Osman, with writing assistance by Andrew Kelleher, fact-checking by Anya Bailey, and research by Brian Petrus. I'm Alastair Murden.